Sid, are you think you think we're ever gonna be able to record together again in a studio side by side? I don't know. I'm really loving Zoom podcasts. <laughs> I know, but it's nice to it's it's hard sometimes not seeing like not being in front of people and like feeling their energy and their body like like I'm literally just I know. in my office. I could not be wearing pants right now. Nobody would know it. No like, one would even how- know. <laughs> I I do miss I'm wearing pants just so everyone knows. <laughs> I miss like being a New Yorker. I miss like yeah. riding the train and like experiencing the city and the noises. But at the same time, I like want to get out of the city. Like it's a weird feeling, but I can't wait to be back in the studio. And I think I'm just going to give Max like a big old hug. Like just. <laughs> you can't, we can't hug anymore. Oh, that's right. That's off limits. <laughs> well, air point. hug, air hug. What are you doing for the 4th of July? I am going home to Michigan. My mm-hmm. partner and I are driving and we're taking our two dogs and we're heavily medicating them because they have travel anxiety. <laughs> it's like a nine hour drive. Um, and we're, my brother has a pool that he's very proud of. Um, so we're going to sit by the pool and probably drink and pretend that the world isn't slowly deteriorating around us. <laughs> Just <laughs> pretend. <laughs> what are you doing for the 4th of July? So me and my partner are driving... <laughs> With our two dogs <laughs> uh, to Pittsburgh, and we're going to see our family there, her family. And every year, um, her brother puts on this spectacular. It's like he lives for this moment with the fireworks, and it's just like a whole display of like, if you can imagine like a Fourth of July backyard barbecue, I get firework it. I experience. Like it. That's it. And we're also getting. Mostly we weren't going to go. We were like, let's just stay home. But we are getting not break. We're getting our teeth done. Like our teeth straightened. <laughs> we're getting Invisalign. Perfect. I'm probably going to have a list for the next year. So that's perfect. Can't wait. That was part of your new branding for 2020. I know. Right. I wanted to do that. I wanted braces since I was like eight. And my mom was just like, we can't afford them. You're just going to have to deal with it. And now I'm like 34 <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm fixing I'm making well, my teeth straight. <laughs> I'm excited that we have a guest today because she is a fellow Michigander. And I love by, it. For all those non-Michiganders, that is how you say it. It is Michigander. Is it? Um, but we have April Kaganich with us. Did I say that right? I think I said the last name correct. You totally got it right. Good <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Thanks. How are we- you guys? We are so excited to talk to you. Mainly, I just want to know how you got from Michigan to Austin, and then we'll go from there. What's yeah. how, how did that happen? Tell us your whole <laughs> life story. <laughs> so on a rainy night, uh, no. <laughs> so I ended up in Texas because of someone I was in a relationship with. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> but we moved. For, so just to kind of rewind, um, I was born in LA, but I grew up in Michigan. We moved when yeah. I was five because of my dad's job. And then I went to art school in California and moved back to Michigan. I moved to Detroit and I worked in the service industry, but I'd always wanted to do hair um, yeah. since I was in high school. But my dad, you know how like Midwest dads are. They're like, uh-huh. you got a job that's going to make you money. You got to work hard. You're going to be a doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not about passion or enjoyment. It's about yeah. Sustainability. Yeah. It's about working all day, coming home and hating your life. So <laughs> I hate to say that because my dad is awesome, but um, I just really wanted to do what I was passionate about. And that was hair ever since I was a kid, especially having like different hair from everybody else that I grew up with. 
Um, I wanted to feel comfortable and I wanted other people to feel comfortable when they came to a salon. And, um, you know, I, Michigan went through, I mean, the whole country did, but Michigan first, I think was hit really hard by the economy. Like as far as like car sales, not being the, where they were at. So like the big three was struggling, you know, people were getting laid off. So I just wanted to leave Detroit and my partner at the time, my boyfriend was like, why don't we move to Texas? And I was like, hell no. Like, (laughs) are you kidding me? I was like, they, I was like, I'm so terrified of the South. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's a real thing. My grandparents are from Mississippi and Louisiana and they're black. And like, I've heard all the stories that they've gone through. I was just freaking out. And he was like, I'm actually from the South. So I was, yeah, I was afraid to move to the north. <laughs> yeah, and but that's the thing too is like I loved being in like these small areas of Louisiana and Mississippi with my family because I mm-hmm. felt safe with them. But I was in an interracial relationship too, and I've had experience with that not being received well um, from other people. And so you know, it's like I'm moving on my own with this guy that is not the same shade as me, and <laughs> we're going. <to> say, <laughs> ah, but. <laughs> He said Austin was completely different than the rest of the state. So, you know, yeah, it's Austin's like the the liberal the mm-hmm. liberal spot in Texas. My partner is black and from Austin. Got ironically. it. Oh, so. I forgot. Oh, Austin's from Austin. So crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's a little safe haven. You know, you still it's still Texas. You still have like people that are opposing of certain ideas. But mm-hmm. So that's how I ended up in Texas, and it took me. I've been here for. 12 and a half years now. Oh, wow. And and it took me about, oh man, five years to get to hair school. I just did the same thing. I kind of worked in restaurants, bartended. Um, I had two jobs while I was in hair school. So I went part-time. I went to Avenue 5. It's a Sassoon partner school. I went for night school. And then I bartended after school. And I worked at a salon as a receptionist during the day. Oh, did you sleep? No. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't have a car. So I was taking the course and I was that, taking partigos. I just that's didn't dedication care. though. You were you were like, I want this. That's yep. the real deal. That's yeah. the, that's the real deal right there. I am a hustler, and I was like, I don't <laughs> care what I have to do. I, I mean, not like that kind of have to do, but <laughs> it was more of like if I have to work all the time and get two hours of sleep for eighteen months or sixteen months. I can't remember how long I went to school for anymore. Um, I'm gonna do it, and so. Yeah, I graduated and I got to assist the owner of the salon I worked at. And that's kind of why I had that mentality of wanting to be there as a receptionist. I'd get to know kind of that end of the salon. And yeah, I got on the floor a year after and about maybe two more years there. And I went out on my own. I started booth running after that because I used Instagram to kind of build my clientele. Um, when I assisted, I would work after I'd work from 8am to six with Shelly. And then I would work from six to midnight taking my own clients. Oh my gosh. Bartending. Cause I still bartended even my first, oh like my goodness. doing hair. So how did you, you mentioned you built your clientele on Instagram. I want to know a couple of things. One, how did you come up with the name African? I mean, I can guess how you came up with it, but how did that all come around? And how did you build your following to you have 10,000 followers now? Um, so let's the African came from high school, actually. 
And in my high school, we had 2000 students. And of all the students, there were like four of us that were black. And I say I'm like a half because my friend Alicia was the other half. So we made one person. (laughs) We're the ones who came up with the name. We were sitting at our lunch table one day and we were making a joke like we there's this terrible test that they used to use um, called the paper bag test. And if you were darker than a paper bag, you were too black. So you wouldn't be able to do certain things. You know what I mean? This was like back in the oh, day. Like my, you know, I've heard it's Yeah, it's awful. And so we were like, okay, if you're not darker than this bag, you can't sit at our table. Even though we're half Africans, we're tan. We were totally kidding. Like everybody. <laughs> we were just like, we would like to joke with people at first. And then they were kind of like, wait, what? And we're like, no. So right. you're like, JK, sit down. <laughs> yeah. right. But we would just call ourselves Africans and we were just laughing about that. We were just like, haha, we're Africans. This is, we're just silly. But it stuck. Yeah. <laughs> Into Instagram. I always, I always joke with people like, be careful what you make your, like, remember AOL? Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure my, my screen name was like Dollface Punk. Like, I'm so glad that I didn't have to carry that into my professional life because I would be like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that was um, where the name came from. And then when I started Instagram, it was, I think, a year before I started hair school. So I was like, what should my name be? Okay, the African that was taken. So that's why I, I added the underscore before the African. So now I know yeah, it's thank you. It's really funny because I was out in public one time and this guy was like, It's the African. <laughs> You're like, I feel exposed. I was like, it's always weird when someone recognizes you from Instagram. You're just like, What is yeah. happening? Like, it's it also okay? weird to scream African at, in public. Oh, yes, that's, that's, what, yeah. that's what I was like. My first instinct was like, Oh my God, look at all these people staring. <laughs> You're like, it's just Instagram. It's just Instagram. How did you, how did you build your following and how did you become a specialist? It sounds like you were working like crazy, but you obviously harnessed Instagram. And I think a lot of people that listen to our podcast trying to do the same thing. And it'd be interesting to hear how you did that. So what's really cool is when I worked at urban Betty, that was the salon I worked at during school and assisted and all that. Um, we, besides hair classes that we also had business classes. And when Instagram was starting to like become this platform that people were utilizing because it's free advertising, we had someone come in and talk to us about Instagram. One thing that I didn't do that they told us, they said, make a separate page for hair. And in my opinion, I thought the first mistake. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, you know, if you're coming to get your hair done by someone, you're spending an hour, maybe three hours, depending on what you're getting done, what your hair is like, you want to be able to hang out with that person and feel like you guys have things in common. So I left my page, my personal page and started incorporating hair. So one, I wanted to show people who I was as a person and kind of like the things I liked. And that's why it's like, you take it or leave it. If you don't like mm-hmm. some of the stuff I'm posting, then you can go see someone else. Cause I'm just that type of person. I'm not, I'm probably not going to be for everyone and that's okay. And An open book. Yeah. I would rather just put it out there, you know? So that's that makes kind sense. Of one of the things, yeah, I started doing um, was just, you know, making sure I showed myself as well. And then, Another thing that I started looking up was kind of like hashtagging and 
you know, knowing when to post. This was before Instagram had all the algorithms that they have now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more like, okay, you know, if you post it at the same time every day, you're going to have people that keep following you. Um, and also putting hashtags on everything. But to me, the before and afters was really what changed the game. Um, I started doing before and afters because I pretty sure I saw Shia Emil doing it and he is a curl specialist in LA. And I, at the time had about 50, 50 clientele, straight hair versus curly hair. So I feel like because of how my hair is, I feel like you guys can speak for this, like when, and if you did hair, I feel like a lot of times your look attracts that in your chair. I mean, so, I'm a blonde yeah. specialist, exactly. and obvious, you know, so. <laughs> and so it's one of those things like now I would say my clientele is probably like 85 curly, 15 straight hair. And that's because yeah. the hair has grown so much and it was mostly just curly coming. Um, and that's because of, you know, what you're putting on Instagram, that's what's going to sit in your chair. So if you don't like right. color corrections, don't post color corrections. <laughs> we do. Right. Um, or the one client a day, because it'll take you 12 hours. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but if you're charging hourly, you're going to make a ton of money. Dude. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's really, it, I feel like the following, the followers growing that was more organic. Like I never did the buy followers thing or like, I, it just was crazy. It took a long time. I mean, I feel like I was, when I got to like a couple, thousand I was really shocked like I'm still shocked even now I'm like people want to follow me and like look at hair <laughs> and send me messages about coming to see me and we call that imposter syndrome I we it's like impossible to not feel that sometimes you're just yeah. like what is going on why do people want to know what I'm drinking like exactly it's, it's, a, it's a weird moment <laughs> yeah I just it's really weird to kind of realize that people recognize what you're doing and it's mm-hmm. also a really humbling feeling and it's very flattering because it makes me feel, I don't know, I've never been so happy doing anything. And it, ma- it gives me like a validation that I'm actually doing what I should be doing because yeah. I'm doing a good job. But I want to keep doing being better. And I think just, you know, dedicating yourself to making sure you have these goals with social media. Like I had a goal, like I wanted my following to grow. Like I wanted people to know who I was. And, you know, I'm, obviously still on that path, but I just want to make sure I posted every day. I wanted to post before and afters. I wanted to interact with other people. I think that's a huge thing too, is like, you can't just post on Instagram and not interact with other accounts. If you don't, then that I think kind of affects how people find your profile. Absolutely. Um, But I think just being consistent is really what helped and, you know, not doing it for followers. Like I never started off with Instagram being like, I want to get to 10K or 20K. Like I said, I wanted to be known, but I didn't even think this was a possible number for me. (laughs) I just wanted to share what I was doing and to show other people that have curly hair, no matter what the color of your skin is, no matter what type of curl it is, you can have the hair that you want and you can accept your hair instead of feeling like you have to change it to feel like, you can get your hair done because a lot of people with curly hair would have to straighten their hair to go get their hair done somewhere if they couldn't find a specialist. So Mm -hmm. I think it was just really important to serve a market that was really undervalued. 
I mean, and we see that a lot just in education platforms of school and like anything. It's heavily lacking. Yeah. Any texture here, education. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, even in these textbooks, like Milady and stuff like that, they have the chapters on it. But the crazy thing to me is that it's a special chat. It's a specialized yeah. chapter. Like yeah. it's a rare thing that you're never going to come across in your career. It's like, what? Like, <laughs> and you're like, okay. And then even, you know, teachers, like, I think it's the school's responsibility to make sure they're bringing in different educators of different backgrounds and making sure that people are well-versed. And so the question that I always ask was, well, how come this has never been a focus? Mm-hmm. You know, like why? And it just goes back to everything that happens systemically in our country with that. So, um, it just was really weird for me to finally get to do something I love, but see the lack of appreciation for it and how people make it seem like it's this crazy thing. I mean, if texture is supposed to be the basis of everything, if that's how you decide how to color someone's hair, how to cut it, then how come when you have someone with curly hair in your chair, you're freaking out like you don't know anything. And, it, yeah. and it's because it's presented to us in a way where it's like, this is so different and wild. And those adjectives are not, good for people to hear yeah it like taught it's teaching fear for something versus it's just hair everything's everything everything is just hair yeah and two like another thing is I also and this is something that I hold myself to but I I feel like there's a lot of personal responsibility like if I want to learn something I'm gonna seek it out so also too like taking that initiative there's a lot of things in me like in our school that we don't learn And I think we all know that. And then when we get older and we actually hear about these things and we start to research it, you know, so I feel like that's part of it too, is people, you know, wanting to actually learn whether they're scared or not. They don't have to do it consistently behind the chair, but I think it's a good tool to have in your tool belt. Um, Because if you have someone that comes to you that has hair like mine or curlier and you can do their hair, they're not leaving you. They're going to fly wherever you are. They're going to stay with you your, their whole life. Like they're going to beg you to be doing their hair when you're like 80 years old and you're retired. <laughs> That's so, the benefit of specializing too. It's like really getting that, you know, group of people that are there for you and what you can offer them and they'll yeah. never leave you. Yeah. And you can also, you know, feel like comfortable about charging what you charge because this is something that you have honed and you've, you know, cultivated this and you invested the time and the education and, you know, I think that's another thing that some hairstylists have a hard time with when it comes to textured hairs, like verbiage, you know, it's like, don't make it about because this person has a ton of hair, make it because it's time behind the chair. And mm-hmm. that way that person doesn't feel so isolated or just feel like, wow, they're, cause they're going to feel put down because of their hair. So I think that's just like a huge reason why I wanted to be the type of stylist that I am. What was it like, like going to school, someone that has your textured hair Mm -hmm. and learning mainly about straight European hair? So it was really interesting because I was just so excited to even be there. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you know what, it's okay if they don't really like teach this, like I'm going to figure it out. But one thing that was cool um, is what my... Avenue one teacher. So Avenue one is like when you're in the classroom, you're not on the floor yet. She made it a point to show everybody textured haircuts. 
and she would use me as the model. So the whole time I was in school, I was the model for the C haircut from Sassoon. And I was so scared, first of all, to like have her cut my hair because I'd been cutting my hair since I was 10. Like I did not Yourself. like... Yeah, I did not let anybody touch my hair. I was Oh my gosh. <laughs> and she was like, April, no, I know I don't look like it because she has like straight like pixie hair. She's like, but I swear, she's like, I can give you a really great haircut. And it was one of my favorite haircuts I've ever gotten. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> awesome. And everyone in the class was like coming up real close and they're like, Can we touch it? And they're like putting their hands and I'm like, it's the only time you're allowed to touch someone's hair. Yeah. <laughs> For learning purposes. <laughs> So don't ever ask anybody that. Yeah. And so, you know, even though that was a small part, it was pretty major to me. And it just, I felt like it helped me think of curly hair more of shapes and like, you can create what you want by moving your hands a certain way. Cause that's what Sassy was all about your feet and your hands moving that, and you know, A, B and C. Um, so the fact that I even got that little taste, like made me really happy. and because I am so familiar with my own hair, I felt like it was kind of a good focus for me to learn more about straighter hair too. Um, The only thing that was just weird is like, sometimes the front desk would give me all the people with like really thick hair or really curly hair. They'd keep wanting to give me the relaxers. And I was like, listen, (laughs) one relaxer on my sheet to be done. Give it to somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you don't need to keep doing that, giving them to me. So that's another thing too, is like, if you do have a student who is a person of color, don't give all the people of color to them because Mm -hmm. that's not okay. And it's also limiting to learn learning opportunities. Exactly, Everybody's missing out. Yep. So that's the other problem is, you know, we already have this issue with the chapter about texture hair, but then when you do have people come in that have hair, that's not straight and you're giving it to the only student who has that hair they might not i'm i might not have liked that hair you know what i mean (laughs) i might not have wanted to do that because there are people that look like me that don't do natural hair so it's or even know how to do it exactly as a student yep so like that assumption is kind of what hurts you know our industry and it just adds to all the other facets of the country that have this like unconscious motion of racism and stereotypes and discrimination like it's it's not good to like how it feels as the person that's having to deal with it because you have to have uncomfortable conversations and I mean luckily I've had to have these since I was like five years old because that's the first time I was ever called a racial slur so it is something that I'm okay with talking about because that's kind of why we're in the situation that we are as a country. You know, people get so uncomfortable about addressing these things and they joke about it, but it's, it's okay to have a conversation with people and tell them like, Hey, it's absolutely okay. all the black clients or the Brown clients, because I'm the same color as them. Like you don't have to do that. And I don't appreciate that, you know, and I know these other students don't appreciate it. So it was just more of like, I just was like, you don't have to give me all the relaxers. Did that carry over? Like that was school, but like being biracial and dealing with that in salons, I'm like, you now, you now have your own salon suite, correct? Mm -hmm. But you've worked in salons, like commission salons and things like that. Yeah. I only worked in one commission salon 
And then I booth rented at two places before I did my suite. But I've traveled to other commission salons and things like that. But, you know, there are comments every now and then. Like there was a stylist one day that, you know, she specializes in short hair. And I was the receptionist at the time. And this woman called and she said, hey, you know, I'm in town for the day. I'm looking to get a haircut. I just, I want like a shorter haircut. And she was actually um, a cast member in the Lion King play that toured around the country. She, um, we ended up talking for a little bit. And <laughs> you I was like, yeah. For Lion King. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. Oh, so what do you like to eat? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but she, you know, she's like, I just want to let you know that I am black though. I want to tell you that. And one, like it made my heart sink because I, again, you know, I can empathize and sympathize and I understand because, you know, I've had that feeling before when you call a salon. Um, and I was like, no, no, you'll be fine. Like, it's totally fine. And at this point I was in hair school and I was still reception. Like I wasn't done yet. So she comes in, I booked her with a stylist that specializes in short hair. And when she came in, I told her to have a seat and I went in the back to tell the stylist that she was there we had cameras so you could see people walk in Mm -hmm. uh, in the break room and she grabbed me by the arm and was like, I can't do her hair. I was like, why can't you do her hair? She wants short haircut. You do short haircuts. You do great. I can't, she's, she's black. I can't do it. And I'm like, you need to find somebody else. Or she might've said like her hair's super curly. Like I don't do that hair. I honestly can't remember because I was so upset. (laughs) Like I was almost (laughs) not in front of her, but, um, so I went out and I said, Hey, you know, we're, we're having a, little quick situation. You might have to wait a few minutes, but do you need anything to drink? Just made sure she was cool. And so I went in the office to talk with my boss and I was, I just lost it. I kind of started crying and I was like, this isn't fair. Like, you know, someone should be able to come in and get their hair done. And, you know, my boss was like, well, if you want to do it, I trust you. I go, but how does it look for someone to walk in, be greeted by the receptionist and then be the one doing their hair, you know, and, and she was want a short haircut and be with that specialized person. Exactly. So one of the, one of the girls that worked there, she was actually like, well, I'll do it. She's like, you know, I don't do a ton of curly hair, but I feel like I can probably do this. And she did a great job, you know, Mm -hmm. and she, the girl was super happy. And I was just so thankful to this other stylist that stepped up and, you know, can you imagine like going somewhere? And luckily she didn't know that that's what happened, but Because you, you made it that way. And then to even ask some, you know, you as you were still in hair school, you weren't trained to even take, you know, any client on the floor. And then to, to, to ask you to do it was just like, what? Like, yeah, it's a whole nother level. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, part of that is like, when you do own a place, you're just trying to make sure you, you don't have someone that's unhappy. And I can see that part, but yeah, it's like, I think that person just had a lot of confidence in me <laughs> to do it because <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I'm working two jobs and I'm not like, I really want to do this. So, but yeah, you, I know what you mean. It's just, it's, it's a tricky situation, but you I think know. white people in general just have such a fear over any hair that doesn't resemble their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they don't have the words to even explain it. And then, yep. and, and then we, it just crumbles from there. Yeah. Or even want to learn or take education or put themselves in, in that discomfort to learn something new. And I, and I think, again, I think white people are scared to take education in fear of looking 
a certain way or looking stupid or sound or saying the wrong thing. It's like mm-hmm. the whole system of education around Afro textured hair, curly hair. It's like, it's broken. And then we have, that's why you can be a specialist, which is good, but it's also mm-hmm. kind of like bad that mm-hmm. you have to be a specialist and that cr- people with curly hair have to seek out special. Like I don't have to seek out a specialist. I can go to anyone down the street mm-hmm. and have confidence that it will be okay. Um, and so it's just, yeah, it's, I think the whole education platform is, is really important. And I think that's why these conversations are, it's important for white people to understand that, like you have to ask questions and you have to sound stupid yeah. and you have to say the wrong thing and you have to get corrected and that's all okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, if you think about and it, you have to do better. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you can't let yourself get in the way, you know, like absolutely you- not you've got to be introspective about like, you've got to look in and think, why, why do you feel this way? Like what is going on? And also too, it's like, you know, I, anyone who is black, biracial, whatever, you know, we already learn how to do a hair that looks like ours because usually if someone in our family shows us and then we're getting uncomfortable all the time because the focus is on hair that doesn't look like ours. So we're learning Mm -hmm. both. You know, but then when people want to hire us or bring us in for jobs, it's for braids or for relaxers or, you know, a certain type of hair. What if you want to do balayage all day? Like, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, you know, there's so much, it's just like this weird circle. Yeah. (laughs) But that's what's what's so great. Like David said, it's these conversations are making the changes happening. The whole Mm -hmm. movement, you know, it's not a moment, it's a movement. We're all moving forward in our industry to to, to start to make these changes so that everybody feels welcome in our chair. When, even if I'm specializing in blondes, I'm not going to not do blonde textured hair. Yeah. So it's, it's really important for us all to seek that discomfort right now and find, find what's going to make us uncomfortable so we can learn and be better. Yeah. Be better artists, right? Yep. And actually know the history behind it too. And not just history about like straight hair, but no, you know, who really invented a relaxer. It wasn't Madam C.J. Walker. She came up with a flat iron, like the hot comb. It was actually a man who invented relaxer. (laughs) And the reason why black people even wanted to relax their hair was because they got treated even worse than, you know, because of not only how they look, but their hair. You know, they, in France, they took a woman, Sarah Bart, and they used her as a circus attraction. They were like, look at her hair, look at her nose, look at her body. She's her curves are like her hips are so wide and like it was a spectacle and all the history with hair, you know, there's so much humiliation and, you know, this desperate need to assimilate to a society that didn't accept you. So why would you accept yourself? And so I think, you know, it's very psychological too, when it comes to dealing with curly hair and textured hair and that's something that people should be sensitive about when they do have someone in their chair. And I make that part of like how I incorporate when I've taught at salons, when they've asked me to do that is I talk about that and I talk about verbiage and I make it a point to be like, this is more than just a haircut. It's not, and that's with everybody, but I mean, in particularly like this is completely different because all of us with curly hair have, straightened our hair at one point, almost all of us, I would say like 98% because we did not want to look different or we felt like there weren't products for our hair or someone that knew how to take care of it. 
So there's, it's a very sensitive thing and you have to be willing to dig deep and feel that emotion because you will have people cry in your chair or like be really nervous and even more anxious. Like anyone gets anxious when they go to the salon, if it's a new stylist or some people just do it all the time. But when you are a person of color or you have some kind of like highly textured hair, it is like no joke, you know? So I think that's something that also needs to be acknowledged on the stylist part who is stepping up to take that, that step forward in their career and want to elevate themselves to be able to do any type of hair that sits in their chair. Right. Do do you teach classes? I do. Um, It's weird saying that now because I remember the first time I got asked to teach at a salon, I was like, ah, they're like, how much do you charge? I'm like, Oh, I was like, well, can I call you back? <laughs> and then I was call like, all your friends. What should I charge? And I was like, what do I do? And then it was like, I was so terrified. So the first class I taught, you know, they, it was not, I didn't get paid what I should have, but I didn't care. I was like, let's do this. You know, they threw a number out at me and I was okay with it. And it was at a salon downtown and I was so nervous and terrified it was the imposter syndrome so i was like why do people want to learn from me <laughs> I, was like, I was like i don't know what i'm talking about and i was like you do know what you're talking about yeah so i am just right now uh <laughs> <laughs> are you okay. teaching classes or um i did a zoom class a couple weeks ago and i actually was trying to like refine I'm doing Zoom classes. Let me just answer the question. Okay. <laughs> Zoom is the new best thing that like ever happened to education. Yes. And you can record it and it's a pain in the butt to send that recording, but it's possible. <laughs> so, um, so yes, I am offering that. I wasn't all the time. I was supposed to have surgery actually during this whole time, but my surgery got put off because I one didn't have my labs where they needed to be and then two they just postponed elective surgeries in Travis County so I wasn't trying to book any more appointments because of that like I was supposed to be recovering at this point so I'm going to open that up again soon I just don't know exactly when um but it should be within the next couple of weeks. I just have some things to do. So but people I, can follow you and stay in touch with you. Yes. So then when you do launch a class, they're ready. And how can they follow you on Instagram? So my name on Instagram is underscore the Hafrican, not the half African, but the H-A-L-F-R-I-C-A-N. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> there's an email button on there. So if you're interested in classes, you can just send me an email. Um, I was teaching in person at salons, but obviously that's not possible with COVID-19 right now. So that's the way I like to teach. I prefer that, especially with textured hair because you have to feel it. And I think it's better for the person you're teaching to feel it because there's so many different ways to apply products and treat hair when you're cutting it or coloring it. So yeah, that's about the class. (laughs) (laughs) I think people, I, have you had a lot of people reach out during this time due to like what's going on and our racial systemic issues and all that? Are you having people reach out and try to change and learn? Yeah. I've had a lot of people, um, even more so because I do have people reach out a lot about classes, but yeah, I've, I've had people just send me like, thoughtful messages and things like that. Um, 
And it's just crazy to see like how much support there is right now. And it's really exciting. And at the same time, it's just like, you know, it makes you nervous because I'm like, I hope this steam stays, you know, because this is something that I'm always doing and looking for. Like I signed the Crown Act years ago. You know, I'm always trying to forward this part of the hair industry. And, you know, this is these conversations are conversations that I have on the daily with my partner and my friends. And, you know, it's just, it's really great to see that there are more people kind of opening their eyes and understanding, you know, that just because something doesn't happen to you or you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Absolutely. So no, we're excited to, we've made a commitment to keep talking about this as long as we can. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not going to disappear. And we hope that people like you can keep teaching what you teach and introduce people to new ways of looking at hair. And mm-hmm. it's going to take a while for, I'm just going to say it, it's going to take a while for white people to <laughs> get it. It's going to yeah. take a minute. Yeah. And it's, but I think this, the, the younger generation is like so on it that I'm really excited for like my brother's kids and they're going to make some like big that. changes for us. But, We're going to be think, the boomers one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we're excited for for all of that. But we also, to leave things on a lighter note, we love talking about hair horror stories, funny things that have happened behind the chair. And I can only imagine that you have some stories from your career that are hilarious or terrifying <laughs> that you would love to share with us. I'm gonna end it with Don't a, hold back, April. Don't hold back. <laughs> I'm going to end it with a really funny one. You know, there's one that I thought about that I wanted to say, but I'm like, man, it's... It, I can I do both. Okay, cool. Okay, so <laughs> the first one's really funny. It was a it's a regular client of mine, and she came into her appointment, and she was so like sad and upset, and she was having an issue with her partner. And I was like, "It's okay. Like, we're gonna blow your hair out. You're gonna look amazing." I was like, "Forget him. Like, whatever." We go to the shampoo, <laughs> you know, and we're talking, and I'm you know starting to shampoo her hair, and I go to rinse it out, and the freaking hose flies out of my hand and fire all over her face. And I grabbed the hose and I was like, oh my God. And I started (laughs) laughing a little bit. I was like, I'm so sorry. And she just starts dying (gasps) laughing. She was like, April, I needed that. This is the best day ever. It was a a baptism. (laughs) Yeah. We started cracking up and it's, you know, I see her every four weeks. Like, but I was so mortified. I was like, wow. I was like, I'm back in hair school. And I, I-, I can't explain that moment that you've done, especially like 10 years into career when that hose just like, it you're is like, so, what? it's like your soul leaves your body. Yes. And you're just watching this idiot chase this water hose. It's all. You know what's funny is that we never just shut the water off, which is no, really yes, the solution. We could have done that, but I was like, okay. <laughs> And I'm left-handed, so I was like, what? Oh, I was so disappointed in myself. But it made her laugh, and it, it made, made us laugh. Best day, so that was cool. Um, and then my other story is, like, one of my first, like, mortifying moments, but I actually covered my bases. So this girl came in, and she wanted bangs really bad. This is when I worked at a commission salon. And I just said, you know, based on your bone structure, I don't know if bangs would really open up your face. I feel like, you know, it would take the proportions away and it would kind of cover up your really pretty brows. And like, I was, you know, just telling her my honest opinion. And she was like, no, I want them. And I was like, are you sure? And she's like, yes. 
the first snip that I made, she starts crying. <laughs> and I'm like, and I stopped and I mommed her. I was like, I see. I was like, I told you. <laughs> and I was like, I can't stop. Do you want me to finish? And she goes, yeah. Oh my and I, God. I was pissed because I was like, see, I asked you three times. <laughs> <laughs> and I told you, I did not want you to do this. So oh my God. Does it look good now? Again, and that's okay. Cause did I was good or no. It, it did not look good. Like I said, I did them great. <laughs> the bangs themselves looked great, but it was not right for her. And I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, if you have a small forehead, you can't have bangs. It just depends on everything else that you have going on, but it just yeah. doesn't work for her, in my opinion. And I was right because yeah. crying. Right <laughs> Trust like, the professional. Seriously, y'all. I was like, <laughs> that was a great way to end the podcast. I loved that. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on our show. We really, we really appreciate it. Thanks for yes. having me. We always, we always invite people back. We always want to circle back with everyone. Hopefully one day we'll we'll circle back and do an after hours podcast where we talk about the I know. real. We talk yeah. about this all the time and we're like, I think it's gonna be a 2021 thing. I think we're just gonna have to do like instead of normal podcasts, we're just uh-huh. gonna have to like let's bring everybody back. Dang. I think it's like a normal podcast and then like it's like when the cameras turn off, what do we really mm-hmm. talk about? Yeah, it's like <laughs> like, like wine like wine is included. <laughs> I love it. Max. Max, what did you learn from today's podcast? Hey. Max um, Look at Max's hair. He, are you growing oh a house? Yeah, I normally wear a hat uh, when oh, I do this, but it's uh, it doesn't really fit anymore. <laughs> He's got like that 70s flow. Yeah, it's yet, it's yet to grow down. It just goes, it's just continued to go out. That's cool though. We like that. Wear um, it. Not sure what to do with it, but... Embrace it. Let it grow. Yeah, that's the plan. Um, I'm always interested to learn more about different experiences that people have facing adversity in their industry. And especially right now, I mean, it's we've been talking about it on every show that we do, but the biggest thing is just finding ways to incorporate fighting against systemic oppression in like yeah. everyday activities instead of like a big gesture today and then not doing anything for a while, just like small things every day that you can do. I would say the hair industry, I, someone mentioned, I, someone, um, I can't remember who posted on Instagram, but someone said the two most segregated places are the church and the hair salon. Mm-hmm. And it's very true. Like I think mm-hmm. our industry, yes, systemic racism is in everything in the hair industry. It's so obvious. Yeah. Black like, salons. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we exactly. have our own salon to sit under a hood dryer. Yeah. <laughs> but segregation too, you know, that was there was legalities that separated yeah. it, you know? And we never we haven't fixed it. No. No. That's so it's, leftover. It's been interesting and we hope to have this com- continue the conversation. But thank you so much, April, for coming on. Yay! If everybody wants to follow April, it's underscore the African reach out, get education, say hi, send her some love. I'm going to be sending seem, her love. You seem, you seem very nice. <laughs> now we're, sure now we're best fun. friends on Instagram. So we're yeah. just going to be like, do, 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 do. I love Oh, that. you're so right too. I do respond to everyone. I'm like, I got to stop doing this at midnight or 1am. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks again for being on and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.